What's up, homegirls and homeboys? On today's podcast, I talk about a subject that I've never talked about before. It gets a bit emotional for me, but I know that somebody is going to be able to relate to the message that I'm sending in this video. Keep watching. It's a good one. Hello. Welcome to Heard and Healed Podcast. I am your host, Nathisha Brooks, and my goal here on this podcast is to simply bring you insight and perspective to some major life challenges, and just also to encourage you and help you to keep going. I've been through things myself, so I like to bring perspectives and outlooks to those experiences. There's a thing that we like to say on this podcast, and it says, I believe in myself. I believe in my abilities. Fear is where it stops. Healing is where it starts. How y'all doing? Today is another I'm doing my makeup while also filming my podcast. If you don't know, you can come see me on YouTube. We are visual. Type in Heard and Healed Podcast. If you are driving, cleaning your house, doing your makeup, girl, whatever you're doing, you can listen to me. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Type in Heard and Healed Podcast and you'll find me there. Don't forget to leave me a rating on Apple Podcasts. Go rate me and tell me how much you enjoy the podcast. How y'all doing this week? It's so nice to see you guys. I'm going to simply adjust my camera here. I've been doing pretty good, y'all. Oh, my God. I like to tell y'all about work. So I told y'all. I don't know if I told y'all, but I picked up some or extended my work day. I was having a conversation with my supervisor, and I I didn't necessarily like it. But he said, you need to focus on the bigger picture here. We are talking about the advancement of your career, but then also getting you financially to a spot where you are and you enjoy it. So he said, you need to change your mind frame that this is not long term, it's short term. And in order for you to be successful, sometimes these are the sacrifices you have to make. And y'all know I'm a girl all about sacrifices. Like, I, got, I do what I got to do. Seriously. Um, <clears throat> so work has been going pretty good. I have been... A little bit kind of like tired, essentially, because I'm just like, my days are longer. And the way that I structure my calendar, I only get like one break. And I'm like, need, like, that's not good. You need to figure that out. But ultimately, I'm doing I'm doing good. I can't complain. Y'all, what was, oh, let me update y'all. My mom had had to get a major surgery, y'all. Um, she had to get a defibrillator placed into her heart or under her collarbone but it's for her heart it's kind of sort of like a pacemaker where it helps her heart you know beat and it doesn't allow her heart to get below a certain heartbeat or rhythm or such and if it does it sends like these shocks to her heart kind of crazy i remember the doctor had told her that she would be not able to drive her car for about three days man my mother said three days my ass <laughs> my mom has been down i think it has been two weeks post-op, and I mean, she's still not able to kind of live like how she would regularly live. So I have her dog. <laughs> His name is Seven. He's a Yorkie. He's almost one. In two months, he'll be one. I've had this dog here, y'all, for about the last two weeks or so. Let me tell you something. I remember when I first moved by myself, got my own place, I was saying how it was so quiet. I needed a roommate or a pet. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't want no pet. Dogs come with so many damn responses abilities and her dog is not necessarily trained to go outside um he he uses house pads 
the worst of the worst. So, unfortunately, he got the dog pissing and pooping all over my damn house. I try to put him on the schedule, though, because when I tell you every time I turn around, I'm freaking scrubbing and cleaning. Oh, that's so annoying. In addition, her dog is spoiled. He doesn't eat regular dog food. You know, he wants to eat the food that you're eating. So, if you refuse to give him the daggone food that you're eating, girl, he going to bully you. He going to bark. He going to make noise. He does a lot. I just learned by watching her dog, I don't want no dog. I don't even want the responsibility. In addition to that, y'all, I can't really move freely like how I want to move. You know, if I'm going to go hang out. I mean, I've learned to because I say, hey, I'm going to leave his ass in the house. Shoot, he'll he be all right. But, yeah, you know, I got to think about the dog. <laughs> but this is just a temporary thing. He's a sweet little dog. He's just bad. Um, but very, very sweet. But how y'all doing today? I hope y'all doing, doing okay. I've been active on my Instagram you know, on my stories or whatever. This today, my Instagram stories is going off because I was talking specifically about boundaries. And that's not what today's podcast is going to be on, but I'll just kind of reflect a little bit. I was saying how I had noticed that I had very, very weak boundaries. I'm a person that likes to give and I'm very nice naturally. I'm very caring. I'm super empathetic. So I'm always just kind of giving and looking out for people. And unfortunately, sometimes I struggle saying no or sometimes I struggle not over with over giving and sometimes I, I mean shit my issue is I don't receive as much as I put out and I had to realize that like Natisha part of that is your fault like you have to stop giving you have to stop doing so damn much and it was me just kind of calling myself out on it like listen <laughs> people are only going to take if you are going to continue to give so you gonna have to incorporate some boundaries and you gonna have to learn how to say no so i was talking about that on my story today and i've gotten so much good feedback on it do y'all have boundaries that's a good question that i would like to pose to you guys are your boundaries weak um do you enforce them because i know me i'm working on just establishing my boundaries i was also talking about how I have had experiences where people walk over my boundaries. They don't like them. And I end up falling back into the habit of overgiving, saying yes, doing. And I had to realize that people are not, it's not somebody else's job to take your boundaries serious. It's your job. You know, so whatever boundaries you put up, it is also your responsibility to enforce them. And to not allow people to just have their way with you or have their say with you. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm just learning and growing, and I'm, I'm just trying to become the best version of me there is, right? So hopefully I could drop that birdie to somebody. Last week, no, the week before last on the podcast, and I've noticed, y'all, I'm not as consistent on my podcast. I thought I was going to come every week, but I just don't even have the time to come every week, especially given the things that's just been happening, so... I'm not here every week. I'm here every other week. I try not to go too long because I do like my podcast and this is very therapeutic for me to come and speak. But y'all, this week, last week or two weeks ago, we was talking about toxic moms and, you know, relationships with your moms and how they're very important for young girls. And I was giving you guys some insight on my relationship with my biological mom and how it's been so strained, just given personality differences, just taking her title off and just looking at her as the human she is. And 
I have realized that, yeah, she's just not a person I like. Granted, she's my mom. She's giving me life, right? I have to be forever grateful for that or to her for that. But, you know, I was just kind of talking about how with parents, respect goes both ways. Respect doesn't have an age. And sometimes people say, oh, that's your mom. You got to respect them. Listen, I also feel like I'm a human and I deserve to be respected as well. So I was talking a bit about just strained relationships that females have with a mom and I got some good feedback on that like a lot of you guys was like oh my god like I relate to this so well and um it was a good topic to speak on and I remember telling you guys like I would talk about my relationship with my dad as well if that's something y'all wanted to hear and it's something I wanted to talk about. You know, on my channel on YouTube, I've never really talked about my father and I, my relationship with my father and I. And I wanted to spend some time and talk about that today. So, I'll just tell you, early memories, my dad was the apple of my damn eye. Do you hear me? Um, I was the youngest girl. And I get the numbers wrong all the time, but I believe my father had a lot of children. I would say at the most 12, 13. I don't know. He had a lot of damn kids. I don't know them all. I only know two of them, but he had a lot of kids. But I was his youngest girl that he ever had, that he had. Um, and him and I were very, very close from a very early age. I remember I admired my dad. Not admired him. I take that back. I didn't admire him. I just really loved him. Like, he was my dad, man. He did no wrong in my eyes. Growing up in my household though my father was very abusive to my mother and I remember a lot of times where they would get into these fights and he would either be drunk or house something he would just it would just be a bad bad fight and my sibling and I would like break it up and I remember my my sibling would go handle my mom get her together and then I would be there with my dad let me tell you how strong this dynamic was my father it was like every time when you know he would beat on my mom him and I would let I would have to sit him down I was very young I would have to sit him down and I would have to ask him like are you okay what's going on like why did you act that way you know and he would plead to me it was kind of like he was it was kind of like I took on a form of like his mother or something like I would console him and he would just say I'm so sorry you know like I just get so angry or she makes me so angry and he would just be so upset like just saying like I'm sorry and he would be defending himself you know on why he decided to do x y and z and as a little girl you know I would tell him like okay well go go calm down go catch your breath and we'll come see you or we'll see you another day but it's best that you leave and it's so funny I remember this like very vividly my father he would listen to me and he would say okay baby and he would leave and he would go I, we wouldn't see him for a couple of days and it was always that it was always that and every time he came around I would be so excited to see him um I would be excited to see him sometimes I'd be mad at him you know sometimes I don't re remember me being really pissed at my dad um but that was just the dynamic of our relationship. I was the apple of his eye. And I felt like I was the only person that could kind of calm him down. That would kind of bring him back to reality. I would listen to him. But I also would tell him, like, listen, you know, you were wrong. You wasn't supposed to do that, right? So go take a breather. It'll be okay. And we'll see you later. Guys, I've always, I was only, you know, all of six. I was very young. But... I don't I, I I don't know guys like that was just the relationship my father and I had. Side note, 
I had to mature very, very quickly when I was a little girl. I took on a lot of roles, especially roles of a parent. I just had a lot of responsibilities when I was a very, very young girl. So always mature for my age, always was just I just had a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. I like to say I've lived before, you know, because at a very early age, I just was, I, I just knew it. You know, I, I had it in me. Um, anywho, I remember that being that. Now, I'll tell you, my father wasn't really in the house much. He wasn't an active dad. So my first actual, like, um, experiences of a man was being my father, but I guess I, he was abusive. He was very abusive. Um, he was very sweet to me, though. Very nice to me, but to my mom, super abusive. What else did I learn about him? I mean, I, I don't really, I can't really tell you. I just, he wasn't around much. I mean, in addition, he was in and out of jail a lot. My father was a street, a street dude, so he was, he was on the streets a lot. So if he wasn't on the streets, he was in jail, you know. So I didn't get to see him much, but when I did see him, I used to be excited to see him. Um, and I do remember him, him and I having a really, really good relationship. When my, when my siblings and I had got taken away from home, um, you know, we entered into foster care. Throughout that time, I was able to still see my dad because whatever group home we was in or foster home or whatever, he was he had rights. He had visiting rights, so he was able to come and visit us. And I remember my father would always tell me, like, you make sure your brothers are okay. You know, he would speak to me as if I was the person who had to keep everything together. And I think because I was so mature so early, he could talk to me in that way. You know, he never talked to me as if I was a little girl. He always talked to me as if I was older. I was grown. And he always would put this responsibility on me, especially when my siblings and I had got taken away. He would always tell me, make sure you look after your brothers and make sure nobody's treating them right. And make sure, mind you, I was not the oldest child. You know, I was, <laughs> I was the middle child. It was my younger brother, me, and then the oldest one who was, who, who got taken away. So he would always put a lot of responsibility on me. And I think maybe because I was a girl, but then also I think he felt like I could handle it because again, my father would consult me, you know, I would have to consult him when he was going through things. And again, he talked to me very adult, like again, guys, I was a very young little, I was a little girl. Um, anywho, so when we got placed into foster care, I seen him a lot because he would get visitation rights. So during our visits, I would see him. He would come visit. Now, I remember specifically one time when my father was not there. And I remember asking, like, where's my dad? And, you know, they would say, oh, he's on vacation. And before you know it, it was so repetitive. Like, another visit would come and I wouldn't see my dad. And I'd be like, where's my dad? Oh, yeah, he's still on vacation. And when I was young, I used to think, like, damn, he going on vacation a lot. <laughs> Child, child, I just would think, hit, stop it, stop, don't mess with that, y'all got to talk to the dog, he, he's a puppy, so excuse me, anywho, I used to think, like, damn, this man is always on vacation, like, okay, I guess he having a good time, you know, <laughs> that's what I would think, I did not know that that meant that he was in jail. I had no idea. No idea. I was so young. They just would tell me. They wouldn't say he was in jail. They would just say the man was on damn vacation. Okay. Anywho. 
So at some point, the visits between him had stopped because my dad was on vacation. In between the visits stopping, man, I think that because I had went so long without seeing him and then already going through my issues and stuff, just being in foster care, being alone, not really having nobody to talk to, having to make so many decisions on my own. At some point, I had grew very bitter toward him and my mother. You know, it was annoying. Like, here y'all, I'm putting this damn situation and I don't know what to do. And you got these people in here doing me and treating me like crazy and you not here like... I remember being upset because my father was always there and always visiting. And then for some reason, you just not showing up no more. And I didn't know why. At some point, I had learned that my father was, um, I don't know when I learned, but at some point I had learned that my father was in jail. And this was the reason why he wasn't showing up. And I think that had pissed me off even more because that made me feel like, well, God damn, you got your kids that don't even have you. And... You out in these streets getting in goddamn more trouble and you can't even be here for me while I'm going through this stuff. You know, so I really felt abandoned. Like, I really did. Like, damn, man. Like, now nah, I really ain't got nobody. I already don't see my mom. Now I don't see my dad. Like, it was a lot. Y'all, it was literally when I got into my home now, my when I got with my adopted mom, my father had used to, he used to send me letters. I used to get a lot of letters from him. Remember I told you when we would have the visits and he wasn't there and I would say, where's my dad? And they would say he's on vacation. Well, my social workers would drop off these letters. And at the time I was so young, I couldn't read them because the letters were in cursive. I didn't know how to read cursive. So what I would do was I would keep the, keep the letters. And everywhere I traveled to, every foster home I went to, every, um... You know, group home I went to, I kept these letters with me. Like, I did not do anything with the letters. Like, I made sure that those letters were always with me. Well, when I finally got adopted and I moved in with my adopted mom, I was a little bit older than I was 11, 12. So, I was able to understand cursive. And I had these letters in a box. And I remember saying one night to my mother, I said, listen, I'm going to take these time, time out to read these letters from my dad. Don't interrupt me because it's a lot of them. And this has been years of just letters and I, I'm finally able to read them. So my mother says, okay. And I remember, guys, I read all of them letters. The very first letter that I had opened up from my dad, imagine me. My dad had been sending me letters for years and I couldn't read them because they were in cursive. And years after finally being able to read them, because now I got cursive, I'm anticipating, like, what has this man been saying over these last years? Like, I ain't seen him, I ain't heard from him. What is he even saying? The first letter that I had opened up, my father was literally blaming me for the things that was happening to my brothers and my siblings and I. We were moved, we had got separated, moved to a different facility. You know, we weren't, we were just separated. We were no longer, my siblings and I were no longer in contact. I, was, I wasn't in contact with my mother. Things back at home, at home, I guess, just with my mother and my siblings and my family was just going to waste. Like, shit was just going bad. And in all of the letters that I read from him, y'all, it was so many damn letters. 
All of them. You knew better. I told you you didn't listen to me. I told you not to let this happen. I told you look after your brothers. Why did you have to go and blame, run your mouth like that? Why did you have to be so outspoken? You are the problem. You are the reason why you, our family is in this situation. You, you, you. Y'all, it was so much blame. Nowhere in any of those letters was, baby girl, I miss you, and I love you, and I can't wait to see you. Imagine me, so young, can't wait to hear from my dad, because I ain't heard him in years, I ain't, ain't heard from him in years. Our last relationship, we were so close, I loved him so much, so I cannot wait to read what you have been saying. And I get to these goddamn letters, and you have been blaming me this entire time, over all of these years. It really shifted my whole view of him in that moment. I remember immediately after I read those letters, I was filled with so much anger and shock. I could not believe that a grown-ass man for years had been blaming all of the things that was happening within our family for me. He blamed us being taken away on me. He blamed my abuse on me. He blamed the things that happened to my brothers on me. Everything was my fault. You remember I told you very early he had put so much responsibility on me. You need to make sure this is right. And you need to make sure this. And I remember when he would tell me like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but all right, I'm going to figure it out. It was a lot of pressure, you know, but I just had to do it because my father was depending on me. Again, I loved my dad. So to read those letters where this man, somebody who I thought we were very close, we had a good relationship, and for you to flip on me all over the years, I'm thinking that you miss me so much, you can't wait to see me. I'm thinking that you are so sorry that these things are happening. To me, really reading your words saying that this is all your fucking fault. And you did all of this and you ruined us and you did not listen and you fucked this up for everybody. Imagine what that did to me. It was then. I remember reading them letters and I was like, you know what? To hell with this man. To hell with him. I burnt them letters that night. <laughs> Collected these letters for years. Read them all in one sitting. And said, F you that night. Oh my goodness. I burnt them. And I remember crying. My mother came and she said, what's wrong? I said, would you believe that this man has blamed it all on me. I didn't even let my mother read them letters. She said, what? I think maybe I let her read the first page of one. Just so that she can see what I'm talking about. And that she couldn't go no damn further. And I remember we both were sitting there shocked. And she cried so bad for me. She felt so bad for me. Because I had always talked about how I loved my dad. And how me and my dad and I were close. And he changed that. He changed it. Okay, so I burned the letters. Him and I ain't speak. Throughout the years, I grow up in all of these things. And I think I was 18 at this point. And I had seen him. And this was the first time I had seen him in over 10 years, I think. I, I, it's been a long time. I had went to my older brother's, or one of my older brother's baby showers, and um, my dad was there. And my dad didn't say much to me. He was just looking for some money to give me. And I remember, like, well, damn, you ain't got nothing to say to me. Like, 
no hug, no baby, I missed you, and you know, like, let's talk, none of that. My father didn't do none of that. He was just looking, trying to find people to get some money together to give me. And it was kind of weird. It kind of threw me off a little bit. Again, there's been years in between us. So I don't know who this man is. And my idea of you is you ain't my father because my father would have never spoke to me that way. So um, <laughs> it was very much so weird seeing him, right? But him and I did not speak. We didn't speak. I'll be honest. My father and I never really spoke after, you know, me being a young girl and um, I stopped seeing him at the visits. Him and I never said a word to each other after then. My father passed away. He passed away in 2017, 18. I don't know. I can't quote it. It's, it ain't been no more than five years though. So he's gone. <laughs> I remember getting the phone call that my father had passed away. I remember I was in college at this point. I was in college at this point and my sister had called me and she said, Hey, I, I, are you sitting down? I said, what's going on? And she said, well, something I need to tell you, but I need to make sure you're sitting down. So I'm sitting here like, Oh Lord, what does this girl got to say? So I said, yeah, I'm sitting down. What's, what's up? What's going on? She said, well, somebody passed away, Nini. And I say, immediately my heart fell. I thought she was calling me to tell me that my biological mom had passed away. And she said, your father is passing away. I said, what? She said, your father is passing away. And I say, okay. She says, but he has a request. I said, well, what is his request? She said, he's in hospice right now and he's requesting to see you. He wants to see you before he passes. And she said, if you want to do that, I will personally take you there. And I remember sitting on that bed and I was so goddamn conflicted. I said, I'm... She said, do you want to call me back? I said, no. I was quiet for a minute. And she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I don't want to see him. And I remember my sister saying, like, are you sure? Like, your dad is passing me, and he really wants to see you before he passes. Are you sure? And I remember saying, I'm sure. I don't want to see him. I guess my sister delivered the news, and my father passed away, I would say, maybe a day or two after that. He died. He died. And, um, that was that. You know, I never was able to speak to him and was never able to get any of the closure that I needed from him because he had passed away. And, uh, I'll be honest, that was very difficult. I'm also tell you something, this is my first time ever really talking about this, so, um, be with me a little bit, okay? He passed away. And I remember learning that he had died in, um, huh. I was kind of like in shock, but I also was, um, I didn't really know how to feel. 
it was in that moment that I had noticed that life was just, you know, nothing in life is promised. And um, it's very important that if you have relationships that need mending, you should work on that. Because people are going to die and you're not going to be able to fix or resolve any of those issues. I was also upset because my father and I died and him and I were never, we were never able to resolve any of our issues. Never, ever, 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 ever. The last time I had a conversation with my dad, I was eight, nine. I was very young. I'm 28. <laughs> so he died. <laughs> And I had all of these feelings of bitterness and anger and confusion and all of these feelings and he died. Let me tell you why I chose not to see him, right? Because I'm sure you're like, wait a minute now. Why didn't you go see the dude? I'll tell you why. I felt like it was very coward of him. I felt like it was very coward of him. To die. And ask me to come see you. To me I felt like it was the easy way out. Like yeah you on your deathbed. And you want to be forgiven. Or you want to just die at peace right. Like you want to be at peace. And make sure you made things right. But why the fuck would you wait till you dying. Just to do that. You know people don't realize I hate when people get sick and they use their opportunity to come clean and apologize and have conversations. But sometimes that's what it takes for people. Sometimes it takes for people to get sick. Yeah, I don't even know if I can finish my makeup. But sometimes, and I may not be able to, I want to just kind of talk to you. Sometimes it takes for people to get sick. To realize that it's time for them to right their wrongs and amend stuff. And that's something I had to accept. But in that moment, I was the fuck off. How could you wait to the moment that you are about to die to speak a fucking word to me? How selfish is that? And what am I supposed to do with that? I already have to deal with your dying. Why would you try to make things right in the process of you dying? What am I supposed to do with that? Oh, I was fucking pissed. <laughs> oh, I was so angry. I was so mad. So no, I couldn't give him that. I'll be honest, if I had to go back and redo that decision, I would stand on it. I was not giving him that. Because I ain't going to let, I don't want you to feel no good about passing away and going over to the other side. When all of my life you ain't made me feel fucking good. No, I'm not doing it. No, 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 no. So I chose not to see him. But it is something that I have to deal with, you know, for the rest of my life. And not to this magnitude, I mean, I'm so upset and hurt over it. I'm crying because it's the first time I've ever talked about this. But, um, it's just a part of my story where my dad and I never resolved things. We're never able to, um, get it right. 
I just remember at one point in life, I was the apple of his eye. And the moment I let his ass down, I didn't matter to him. And that's what his words made me feel like. The moment I let him down, I didn't matter anymore. The little girl that was so patient with him, the little girl that was so forgiving of him, the little girl that was so caring of him, the little girl that loved him unconditionally. He talked to me and treated me for years as if none of that mattered, as if none of that, none of it mattered. And I didn't like that. So no, I was not giving him that. I ended up going to his funeral though. And um, I went, my family and I, we all went to his funeral. And I ended up speaking at his funeral. Now let me paint the picture. My family ain't seen me in years, my biological family. Let alone they don't know me. Let alone they got so much animosity against me because I've been on YouTube talking about my family business. And here you are at my father's fucking funeral and you decide to speak. It was so quiet when I went up there. It was like you could hear a fucking feather drop. It was so quiet. I felt compelled to speak. Now unfortunately I cannot tell you guys the words that I said I don't remember. Because I was so in the moment. But the reason why I went up there is because I had let everybody go up there and speak. And everybody spoke about how good of a dad he was. And how good of a man he was. And how great and how they're going to remember this. And all of the stories that they had. I remember going up there and saying to them people. I wish I had the experience with my dad that you guys said. Oh how I wished. And I wish that I was able to feel all the ways about my dad as you guys do. But unfortunately, life happened and took that opportunity. And I remember like leaving or whatever. But I felt so compelled because everybody had such a great experience with him. And one of the things that I had learned at their at his funeral about him was that he say all types of hurtful and mean shit and he think the next day y'all supposed to be cool back at it and people treated that people his children his family treated him like that cuss him out y'all get into it so bad that day the next day he act like this shit ain't never happened don't matter do this for me do that for me and he kicking it with you and although that may have been who he was I didn't know him that well to even accept that about him. So if in these letters you are telling me these things and treating me these things, you think I'm just supposed to see you and shoot the shit and be like, what's up, dude? It don't operate that way. So I think for him, and I, I can't speak for him, I don't know. I often wonder if he died knowing why I was angry at him. Because people like that sometimes don't know that people are angry at them because they take shit for granted. You know, they take it as if, oh, I could do these things and they'll get over it. You know, they don't see their own behavior. They just don't. You know, they take stuff like that for granted. Think that people are supposed to forgive them every goddamn time. Think that their words don't hold no weight and it's because it's them so they'll be okay. See, nah, dude. 
So unfortunately, him and I was never able to resolve it. I don't think about it as much today, you know, as I did when he passed away, but I wish that him and I were able to have a conversation and I was able to talk about those things with him, but it was his death that led me to say, no, 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 you can't feel this emptiness in you with the, with another parent. You got to go and try to make it right or figure it out or get some closure or talk. You got to go do it with the one that's living. You got to, because it ain't going to work. <laughs> you not going to let these people die and you still have this feeling. My dad died and I had to deal with that. I was not going to let my mom die. And, and, and No, I just wasn't going to do it. And so I tried and it just didn't work. But I didn't tell you guys this, but over the years of me not speaking with my dad, um, I would go to work. And I used to work. Right at Gallery Place, I used to work at the Department of Justice that's located in Gallery Place. And I would get off the train, and this is Washington, Washington D.C. I'm talking about, so I would get off the train at either Gallery Place or I would get off at Archives. Do y'all know that every day that I got off the train, I seen my father. But he was out there with the drug addicts and the people who were... Homeless and living by the damn train station. My dad would be out there with them people every fucking morning. I had to go to work. You know, that's a, that's an unexplainable feeling when you see your parents on the streets with the crackheads and the junkies and with the homeless people just chilling, man. <laughs> that is an unexplainable feeling. I I can't even put word. It's like I came from you. You are my dad. And a stranger right next to me wouldn't even believe if I said, Do you know that's my dad? That's my father sitting there. Oh, man. <laughs> and he would see me and he would recognize me. And I remember he sent over one of his little junky friends to say something to me. And I rejected that person. Like, hey, uh-uh. And my father had to watch me reject that. He was trying to send a message to me. That, mm -mm. that shit is weird, dude. To me, it was like, damn, you still ain't got it right, you know. And I had hurt for him. I felt so bad for him. Like, you still out here, man. It's 7.30 in the morning. You out here like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had hurt so bad for him. But I couldn't approach him and talk to him. Nah. <laughs> I had hurt so bad for that man. I remember I hated going to work. Oh my God. Because it was like, I got to pass this fucking man. I got to pass him. I got to see my own damn dad out here. Girl, shit. <laughs> so, anywho, even then, 
And working at DOJ, I had to be all of 20. I was young, you know, 21 maybe. No, I was, yeah, I was still in college. So I was 20, 21. I was young. Mind you, I ain't seen this man. Ain't seen him. Ain't talked to him. He is down at my job. My father had passed away from um, cirrhosis of the liver. And, uh, excuse me, I I covered my mic. But he passed away from cirrhosis of the liver. And um, I think that he was still in his active addiction. I don't know. I don't want to lie on the deceased. So I I don't know. I don't know. But um, he passed. But when it came to our relationship, you know, you have, I'm talking to some of them girls that may have been the apple of their father's freaking eye. I don't know how it works like that, you know, maybe because it's just the opposite sex, right? My dad was my damn pride. I love that man. <laughs> he was my pride and joy. But he was also the first person, first male to really like hurt me. First male to really hurt me. And I'll tell you, his hurt really, really impacted me when it came to my relationships with men. Before I would allow a man to hurt me, I would find a way to escape from them. That was one end, but on the other end, I was always looking for love in men. I remember very young, I would deal with dudes that no good for me. Why are you dealing with that boy? That boy don't deserve you. But I just wanted him to love me, wanted him to like me, wanted him to, I don't know, be protective and make me laugh like my dad used to do. You sometimes identify with these men. This is some real life shit. You know, you read about this shit. This is some real life stuff that I go through. Somebody else that's listening. Go, this is some real. Again, I'm going to bring perspective to real life experiences. I've been there. This is why we can relate. But in my relationships with men, I would either escape before they would hurt me. Be very hard for them to love me. And or seek so much of their approval and validation just by doing so much for them. Men specifically do so much for them and get the bare minimum back. <laughs> As an adult, though, I mean things are different. I ain't, I ain't dated a man in my adulthood, so it's recognizing those things. And because I've been doing so much work on myself, we can't let those patterns show up. But I'm gonna tell you, I had a good game in my adolescence. <laughs> a good game. But I think it's extremely important for females to have relationships with their father. It gives you an a, 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 a insight of what men look like, how men think, how men treat women. But it's just an unexplainable connection, too, that men have with little girls. Non-predatory, of course. That I think that girls should experience. never grown up with a dad in my household you know when I got with my mom now she's a single parent mom she only dated one guy <laughs> only one guy and um I pushed him away too because I don't know it was it was just weird like I ain't never had a dad what are you doing 
I grew up with this thing as if I don't need a dad because the dad that I needed was not there. So he taught me that I don't need a dad. He taught me, again, this independent girl, I don't need it. But a part of me would look for, you know, stepdad or goddad or something like just fill the damn void. But I would push it away. I would push it away. Even older men now, especially men that can kind of come off as father figures, make me uncomfortable. Like, oh, no, I, I can't call it this big age. They make me a little bit uncomfortable. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I have, though, a father figure in my life that I have accepted as one that we're very close and I love him. And um, that's enough for me. But my number one goal, and I have no control and power over this, but God knows my heart. When I raise my babies, I hope that they have a loving father that stays in their life. And that shows up as a dad, as a male. I hope that they do. Because I would never want them to have to figure out life without a dad figure out life or reject any type of man and or project I would hate for them to have to go through that but that would be their experience I can't control that but that's my prayer man that's why I don't lay down with any damn body and I don't have no unsafe damn sex because I just can't put myself in that position parents matter good parents quality parents the experiences that these kids have they matter And my mother, my adopted mom, um, I call her my mother. She um, she worried about me not having a male in 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 my life. She worried, you know. She she wasn't dating though, you know, but she did worry. She wanted me to have somebody, some male. <laughs> uh, but I did good. Ah. Uh, some of you guys can relate to this. I've never shared this story before, so I wanted to come share it today. This is my podcast. This is my space where I'm able to freely and openly talk about my experiences and bring perspective and relate to my people. So I'm okay. <laughs> but that was my experience with my dad. You know, if my dad had some time here if he was still alive I would have hoped that him and I was able to make things right but even when he was alive I just completely rejected him because he rejected me and I had learned that that was just who he was and his children adapted to it but I never could adapt to who he was like nah dude <laughs> you just don't say what you want out your mouth and then think that I suppose say oh those words don't matter but you know I have some of his traits as well because I'm one of them I'll say some hurtful stuff don't even mean it just mad and then I come back around like we good <laughs> ain't that some sick shit I was just telling somebody that's my toxic trait you can't say shit out your mouth and think people just supposed to absorb it and be okay and y'all be friends. It don't work that damn way. My mother told me your your tongue is the sharpest thing on you. Your tongue, Natisha, your tongue. <laughs> and I'm learning that about myself. So it's active work, work of being mindful of what I say to people because you never know how it's going to affect them. 
and it may put them in a position of rejecting you, right? And and <laughs> leaving you. Um Yeah. So I would like to know you guys' experience with your dad. My goal was to do my makeup, girl. All I got to do was my brows and I couldn't even finish my eyes. <laughs> Ain't that a shame? But this podcast is hopefully I can edit it and get it going. So, um, yeah. Thank you for listening. And um, I would love to hear your insights and comments down below. And, uh, you know, I... I don't know what I was, I read something and it said like, I hate hearing about the sad stuff in people's life. I would rather know the good stuff. And I'm like, well, damn, I thought about my podcast because we talk a lot about deep stuff, right? And I'm like, do do y'all feel like I talk about sad shit? You know, (laughs) I talk about the reality of my life and the things that I've been through. And a lot of them are painful and sad, but I also show you that you can get through these things by showing your emotion and by expressing your emotion and working through your emotion. Because a lot of times people don't want to hear shit because they don't want to deal with the sad shit. So, um, yeah, I'll be back here next week or the week after next girl. and We'll get it rolling. But I hope that you learned a little bit about me today and I hope that you were able to take something away from today. I'll see y'all next time. Bye.